1: for me as always is David Morasudi and Jake Middleton. Guys, Leafs three one victory, two points behind the Senators. Looks to be playoffs on the horizon. I know, Jake, you're not the biggest fan of uh, analytics and numbers and projections, but hey, roughly ninety two percent chance they're gonna make the playoffs now. Thoughts on this, guys?
2: I like those numbers. I don't like some. Oh, you other. like numbers now? Okay, I, I like those numbers. I I don't like the one that, like, Martin Veritsen has a 58% Corsi percentage. He's better than Eric Carlson. Like, I don't believe in that garbage. But I like those. I like those percentages. Those sound good to me. And I know Dave likes 3-1 Leafs.
1: Simplified here a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, it works out. Special teams was big tonight, that's for sure.
1: Special teams have been big the entire season. I think Uh, that's been, obviously, one of the main points of emphasis throughout the entire year, where you look at their turnaround from Short-handed, power play like just all around it's just been a remarkable turnaround for them they kind of go too deep too they don't just necessarily have one power play unit they have two knots it's quite remarkable
3: oh yeah it's really good i mean uh you look at guys who've uh played well in the power play you got you know nylander uh bozak kadri's done well like they're they're a much deeper team when it comes to special teams and their offense is this is loaded right now so it's a good thing going into the playoffs to have that have that depth with two power play units that can go. The penalty kill is going to get tested a lot more. It's going to get a lot more gruesome with the shot blocking, but they look it looks like they're going to be able to hold their own for once. I mean, it's been a they've had a tough stretch the last couple of years when it comes to special teams. So, it's much I mean, I think what, they're top I think they're one of the best road penalty killing teams. Uh, and they're what, second overall and uh, power play percentage, so it's not—it's a big improvement under Backhawk, that's for sure.
2: For me, the big thing was that you know before the season we wanted to have you know a combined PK and and uh, power play over 100%. That's generally what you consider a good team, and and right now I'm pretty sure they're they're fourth in the league at 105.7% with. I'm pretty sure they have the best power play in the league. If uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Buffalo or Pittsburgh has a higher power play, but
1: they have they're a right up trade there.
2: spots. Yeah, they have yeah. A Buffalo trade spots each night. It depends and on. The they're sport. also they're also in the top ten and penalty kill, and I mean it's it's been a real uh, that's been the biggest difference for me in terms of of special teams. You know, last year they're were, they they were like kind of middle of the road, but just the fact that they're getting shorthanded goals. Like that goal from Hyman, I know I I hate on Hyman all the time, but that goal he had, <laughs> he had against the against the Florida Panthers to basically essentially win the game was so big, and, and that's the big difference. I I don't think they had one shorthanded goal last year, and that 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 goal pretty much just took the sales out of Florida because they were pushing and McElhaney was making some real big saves, and if they didn't score that goal, I, I feel like they would have broken through and tied it. So. I mean just, just the fact that, that they're they're been able to get this type of production out of their penalty kill and power play is huge. So just well,
3: to help you with that, Jake, they're ninth overall in penalty kill with eighty two point eight percent so eighty three percent and then power play, they are second behind Buffalo at twenty three point nine percent. So
2: top ten in both. That's that's incredible turnaround. From where they were last year. I mean it, it's it's just incredible when you hear stats like that. Like What was their power play percentage last season? I mean, I can't think. It would have to be in like the fourteen or fifteen percent range. And right now, they're 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 operating at, I believe, it's about twenty three percent on the power play. They were fifteen percent last season, and they're almost a ten percent better opportunity of scoring goals on the power play. That that's that's got to be like a historic, borderline historic rise. They're second
3: second last last season with fifteen point four percent on the power play. And their penalty kill, they were 13th overall at 81.6. So.
2: Yeah, that's – I mean, overall, as I said, the the thing you basically want to have is over 100%. Last year they didn't have it. Now they have it. It's about 10 points higher last year 97%. This year about 107. So, I mean, that's huge. Well,
1: before we talk about the PK, what's been the difference on the power play? From one year to now, what's been the biggest
2: difference? Ta- in talent, opinion? talent. talent. There's nothing else. I mean, you look at the guys that were running the half wall last year. You got P.A. Parenteau. Uh, Like, there's a difference between P.A. Parenteau and William Nylander. I mean, just, just this skill that they have that they can throw over the boards to have a power play. They have guys that they probably have legitimately 10 forwards that I would have no problem being on the power play. Whether it be, you know, guys as lower in the depth chart as Brian Boyle, I have no problem with him. As a screener, that's what ba- Babcock's been using him as late in games.
1: He's massive. I really,
2: I appreciate that. He's a guy that will stand in front of the net. You know, maybe he can tip it, but he just takes away the vision of the goalie, and that's the main thing you want to do. But, you know, guys that can handle the puck on the power play, you got Brown, you got Kadri, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. Um, you know, I would even like Kasperi Kapin, who was, who was recently called up beyond the power play because that shot he's has, and it, it's just incredible how all these players are homegrown, and it just goes to show how uh, how big drafting and developing is. Because this is this might be the greatest rookie class ever in the history of the league. Make a good that, case
1: for that. They I are. mean,
2: Capitan, we're going to get into a little bit later.
1: But Dave, I got a question for you. Frederick Anderson has been sensational this season. He's seven one and two in March with a nine three nine save percentage. Has there been a more important player to the Leafs penalty kill this season than him?
3: Uh, I'm pretty sure I was the one that said he was the MVP of the leaf season. Uh, he, I have to get those once in a while. Um, but nah, no, no, <laughs> I mean, you look at, I think, uh, the same goes for Cam Talbot in, uh, Edmonton. I mean, your goalie has to be your best penalty killer. Uh, there's been times where that hasn't been the case for the Leafs. I mean, Given what they've uh, put out in that, and I think Reimer was not too bad on the penalty kill, but he wasn't playing at the level that Anderson is playing at on the penalty kill. So when you're when he stops, uh, I think he stopped seven shots tonight on the power play or on the penalty kill. Like those those things matter, and if your goalie is not making those saves for you, and well, one of those saves came from Riley on the goal line. I don't know if you guys uh, caught that one. It was, that was incredible. He gave he gave Riley some props on that one. So when you when you have a goalie that's you know you you're confident behind you know to be to help you on the penalty kill, it, it makes a big difference. And right now he is that difference for the Leafs. And even if they don't have great penalty killers, or I mean their strategy is very aggressive. Uh, you notice a lot of the chances are coming from the perimeter. They're not coming in the slot. They do a really good job boxing the guys out, and yeah, he's he's been a he's been a major difference this year, especially on the, on special teams for the penalty kill. Well, the Leafs
1: outshot, or sorry, the Predators outshot the Leafs thirty to seventeen tonight, and we saw in the power play, especially in the third period. There, Frederick Anderson, you could say he stole the game with how well he played tonight. Fair to say,
3: especially the third period. I mean, they were outshot thirteen to two, so. Uh... Yeah, he he definitely did. He he had to make some uh, scrambling saves, but in it, you could <laughs> you think in his first start back after he was injured, you make it easier on the guy. But uh, he's been doing this all <laughs> season long, and when he is on his game, he is the Leafs are the team they are. When he's not, the Leafs are a team that is has flaws and you see it. But he's able to. Keep the keep the guys uh, steady, and that's all you can ask for from him.
1: Okay, transitioning away from the Great Dane and special teams and all that good stuff from tonight's game, we had some news during the first intermission from the Bob Father himself, TSN's Bob McKenzie said that the Leafs are trying to work out a seven-year extension with Nikita Zaitsev. Um, if you want to compare that to other contracts out there, you're looking at guys like Roman Yosi. Um, what do you guys think about this deal? Thoughts on it is it too much term? That's something that people are already saying. I know it's not finalized yet, but too much term. AAV is reportedly four and a half mil. Give me your guys' thoughts
3: on it. Uh, well, Jake. Jake was the first to kind of mention he would give of uh, a seven year or seven years if you're able to keep the cap bow, cap uh, lower. I mean, he's tw- he's 25 years old. This is not a guy who's in his going into his 30s or you know a guy like. Uh, if we're looking at like Kevin Shatikirk, who's going, you know, his con, when he gets his contract, it's going to be pushing him into his late thirties. When Zaitsev is done, his contract will take him until he's uh 32. 32. So you're paying him for his good years. This is, these are going to be his good years. Um, they're clearly confident with what they've seen from him this season. Uh, him and Raleigh have taken a lot of the defensive responsibilities against the best uh, players. And, you know, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. He's had a, a bit of a rough stretch, but it hasn't been to the point where he's fully collapsed and lost all confidence. And I think just having that experience in the KHL really helps. And yeah, I mean, giving him seven years is always a risk. I mean, we've seen the Leafs, the leave the list, the Leafs give uh, long term contracts to guys, and it, it doesn't work out. But th- this mansion group has a way better uh sense of who deserves a long-term contract and who can get the the short-term deals like the cagey one jake you mentioned is also one i think they're gonna it's gonna pan out better especially with the cap hopefully gonna go up soon
2: yeah i mean for me what you're basically looking at is, is like value and you know at that number i wouldn't say it's value but i would say he definitely has the opportunity to become a better player than what he's paid at right now or what he's going to be paid at, you know, four, 4 million, I believe, or 4.5 million is, I'm pretty sure it's in the 56th in terms of overall money spent on a defenseman. And right now I think he's a top four defenseman. No doubt about it. You know, I would have no problem. I said before, if they send him to a four year, $5 million a year deal, I'd have no problem with it. So, I mean, you know, obviously Bob said that, you know, it's give or take 250 K we're hoping it's, it's 4.25, not 4.75. But, you know, I think that's just kind of the going rate for, for uh top four defensemen nowadays, because, you know, he's a really, really good defenseman. He's probably been the second best defenseman for the Leafs behind, I'd say Jake Gardner. I know some people love Morgan Riley, but he, ha- he hasn't had a great year and I mean, that's that's pretty good value for a defenseman. He's pretty much slotted in what Gardner makes. And Gardner, as some people believe, he could be a top-pairing defenseman. And, you know, you look forward, and obviously the U.S. TV deal is coming up soon. And the uh, they're also selling rights to China, as we saw. Yeah. So they're going to be making some money off of that. And with the U.S. TV deal coming up, I could see the cap in the next five years, reaching up to $90, $95 million range. And when you're at that point, you know $4 million of, of 90 is not that much. I mean, you got a 22-man 20, roster. It it makes sense to me. I think it's all about the value. And I, I think, obviously, it's a little long. It's a risk. But for the, a Leafs team that has legitimately zero defensemen, it's a risk worth taking for sure.
1: Well, I think what they're really hoping for, when I butchered the comparisons at the beginning there, was uh, you're hoping he's going to be like a Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi signed a seven-year, $28 million deal, so very similar to what the Leafs are hopefully going to do with Zaitsev here by the sounds of it. And we see what he is now. He's worth way more than $4 million a year. And if you're the Leafs, you kind of hope that that's what it turns into. Do you guys feel that his ceiling could be anything close to, let's say, a Yossi-type player? Maybe not like him, but similar.
3: I think, no. the, I think what you have to be careful of and – uh, I've heard, uh, you know, guys like uh, when Gajuro and Monahan got their deals, Burke said they're trying they're trying very hard to do more than what their deal is instead of paying playing for what they're paying them for, which is to be the players that they've always been. So I think I think with Zaitsev, the important thing to remember is we don't want to go overblown with expectations, him getting too caught you no know, caught up in that, and then. His his performance drops. I mean, I guess the other terrible comparison you can make is when they said that they signed David Clarkson to be a third line winger, yet they pay the guy over five million dollars. So I don't know where that logic comes in. Thank you, Dave, Fulham. But uh, like that, that's the type of stuff you really have to be careful with. Is you're paying him if you're paying him four and a half, you say we want you to play at the four and a half million dollars that we know you're capable of, not. To expect you to go over and you know over and beyond, if he plays over and beyond, that's great. But you know what you're going to get from him being a four and a half million dollar defenseman, because you've seen it.
1: Jake, you said no when you brought up Roman Yossi. I'm not saying he's to be the same, but anywhere in that ballpark, what do you think his ceiling is then?
2: I mean, the, the reason I said no is because I think is a guy that can legitimately get Norris votes. I mean, he's a bona fide. Number one defenseman in the NHL, he's gonna get. He can get you up to sixty points a season, and I just don't see that. And, you know, before this year started, I thought that, uh, you know, Nikita Zaitsev would be a guy that would get you, you know, seven goals, you know, twenty three to twenty five assists, get you 30, 32 points. Obviously, he's exceeded that right now, and you know, he's he's played a lot of games this past year. He kind of looks. There was a time there where it looked like he was kind of running down, but for a guy that can get you up to 45 points, which I think his ceiling would be maybe, maybe a five goals, 40 assists. He reminds me of like a, like a Thomas Cabriolet, a guy that's not gonna, that's pretty good defensively. He can skate. He doesn't look like he's a great skater, but he's got pretty good recovery speed with regards to the way he can get back on defense. And he's a guy that offensively, he surprisingly chips in. I mean, you you don't really notice him because he doesn't have that big booming shot like a Shea Weber or a PK Subban. But he gets pucks through, and he gets pucks that get tipped. I mean, you saw the goal tonight that JVR scored. That was off of a Nikita Zaitsev wrist shot. He's a guy that, no matter what, he's getting the puck through. He's not like a Cody Franzen where he's either shooting it through the net or it's it's fifty miles wide. And that's yeah, a big very thing. Smart. Yeah, that's a big thing yeah. for me. You know, he's a big smart guy, and I think he slotted correctly at that. You know, I, I said before I wanted about four million dollars, but. Obviously his agent knows where the cap is going to be and he squeezes it out. But for me, with the Leafs getting cost certainty on a top four defenseman for the next seven years is, is good value. And I think, you know, when we're going to be signing some of our bigger players, like a Matthews in, in two years, uh, a Marner in two years, a Nylander next off season, it's going to look like a, a pretty shrewd move considering those guys are going to be getting $7 million plus. Well,
1: yeah, you look at Cadre's
2: contract, for example, and that tells oh, you the value that, of cost certainty, right? Exactly. I mean, you got him locked up for five more years, Riley, five more years. It's all worth it. You know, you, you obviously have to find your way to save, you know, 250 grand there, 500 grand there. I mean, I, I was trying to think of what Nazem Kadri would be worth on the open market. I think he might wor- be worth about six million. Yeah, I was going to say
1: six as well.
3: Yeah.
2: Let me rephrase this then to you guys, to both of you.
1: What kind of performance would Zaitsev have to give on a year-to-year basis to make this contract worth it?
2: Pretty much what he's giving right now.
3: Yeah, I would say at least if you're looking for offensive numbers, I say at least close to 40 points. If like where 40 points is like the offensive, and then on the defensive end, you know at least what he's doing tw- about 20 minutes a night and then playing on the PK. So, yeah. Just, he's more relied on for his defensive play than his offensive play, but the offense is. A, it's, he's doing a pretty good job with that, so. Yeah.
1: So, with Zaitsev potentially locked up for the next seven years, I think it's pretty safe to say his deal is going to get done at some point. Yeah. Does this alter the Leafs' approach this offseason in terms of searching for another right-handed shot defenseman? Or are they just going to stay put and be extremely patient now?
3: Um, well, I think. I think you're you're looking at maybe maybe a trade for another one that can maybe be, I mean, no team is giving up a, a top pairing defenseman, but if you can get, you know, we, we keep circling back to the Ducks, and I think a lot of teams are just going to be circling them like Sharks uh, for one of their defensemen if you can get one of those guys and hope they can, you know, add to the nucleus of of this young team that's what you try to do first. I don't know if the free agency is, you no, know, we already talked about the crap that's in the free agency market and there's not much to be had there. So I think the the trade route is where they're going to go. And I think they like what they have on the left side projecting with uh, Dermot and Nielsen eventually. And you heard Backhawk talk about that. So that that's, I think where the plan is right now is I think, a trade for the right side, it makes sense. And I think they like Carrick too. So I think they're just looking for one more guy to add to that spot.
1: Jake, you feel the same way with that?
2: Uh, I, I honestly think they're going to add two guys. I mean, as you guys saw this earlier in the game, you know, uh, Craig Button obviously uh, made a little noise by putting together some some players that he think the Leafs could get in the offseason, guys like a Carl Osner or a Michael Stone. And, you know, I think the only Forget thing Derek
1: that, Ryan. He put Derek Ryan there too.
2: I don't even know who that is. So. He's the center for Carolina.
3: Yeah, I would say, yeah. Uh,
2: so, I don't, I mean, the guy probably can't skate, so I don't know why that makes <laughs> sense. But, I I mean, you know, I, I, I personally think they have to add two defensemen because you're obviously probably going to replace one of Hunwick and Polak – and or maybe even both. And obviously, Alexei Marchenko's not not the savior. I mean, yeah. I didn't think we thought that. So they have to get a a brand new bottom too. in some respect. Maybe you could push Carrick down, but I would try and find a top like a bottom six defenseman and a top four defenseman. And there's many ways of doing that. You could sign one of them, but I think you definitely have to trade for the other. and I wouldn't be shocked if they give up one of their uh, glut of prospects or uh, one of the many picks that they have as well. Okay, that's kind of like an off-season
1: discussion. We're definitely going to talk about it at length again. I know we talked about it a lot this season, but it is the main storyline of the off-season. As of right now, though, you just mentioned prospects. Kaspari Kapanen got called up recently, debuted on uh, Tuesday night there when they played the Panthers. Um, Craig Button and them said they weren't sure about whether he, you know, was going to fit in long term with this team because he's not consistent enough yet at this level. A lot of talk about that. Where do you guys see him fitting in with this roster for this season and for the future? Starting with this season though.
3: Um, I think depending on what you know, what happens with uh, if it, well, I think they make the playoffs. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's a part of the roster going into the playoffs because I think. You know, Backhawk doesn't seem to be wanting to put Levo or, you know, Levo's not in Soshnikov. I don't know. I guess maybe they're legitimately injured or uh, unless they're going to get back in. I think Kapanen has a chance to stay up. But at the same time, they might want to just keep him in the, with the Marlies and give him that chance to play top-line minutes in the playoffs, because the HL playoffs is no joke. Like It's a very tough, competitive playoff, so he might actually benefit more from playing in top-line minutes there, so that next season, he's, and before we talk about next season, he's probably going to make the roster next season. I can't see. The way I've seen him play, and I've seen him play live with the Marlies twice already, he's, I mean, I don't know where, just looking at what I've seen from him, he's much more detailed and how he's uh, with his uh, back check and his defensive reliability and offensively, he's been moving the puck well and he can create space for himself and he has a pretty good shot and he can get some good chemistry with some, uh, with his line mates. I mean, Seth Griffith has been uh, pretty good for the Marlies and I think captain is a big reason why. So I say a chance he makes the playoff roster, but I think if Lease management wants to, Focus more on his development then he goes back with the Marlies and plays top line play minutes there.
1: Well, here, Jake, who's a better fit on the penalty kill? Because that's what really matters to Mike Babcock. That's a big reason why Levo's not playing. And I know you could say he's injured right now, but before that, he just said, you know, he can't kill penalties and he's the odd man out. So who's more valuable to the Leafs penalty kill come the playoff time? Kapanen or Soshnikov?
2: I think Kapanen's a better player, so I would say Kapanen. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Soshnikov, but. He had a really good end of the year last year, and he just kind of has, you know, fallen off. He he hasn't played up to where I thought he would be. Maybe it's where he's slotted in the lineup. I'm not really sure, but uh, overall, I've I've always said this that I think Kapanen's a better player than him, and it looks like he's ready. I mean, he's played pretty well. I don't like where he's slotted. I don't I don't really think he he kind of fits on that line in terms of a skill level, but um. I think he's a he's a really good penalty killer and because he has that speed. I know is a pretty quick player, but you know, I just think that overall he's he's just if not better than Sashnikov at, you know, every aspect. Um he's just the overall better player for me and and whether it be that he's injured or healthy, I would play him over Sashnikov, but I don't know about Levo because I think Levo's a pretty good, bona fide NHL player, but Mike doesn't, and that's the guy that makes the decisions. And well, I mean, that's not what Mike... Mike said, though.
1: Mike I said mean, he just it... can't kill penalties. He said that's the biggest thing holding him back because yeah. he can't play the Yeah, penalty. but
2: what we've seen is that Mike, obviously he sat him for uh, I don't know how long it was, but he obviously isn't a, isn't a big fan of him, and he isn't a big believer in his abilities because why else would he have benched him for guys like... Uh, Smith or whatever what's his name I don't even <laughs> yeah, Ben that. Smith yeah Ben Smith like it the makes no Lord. sense he's horrible I I like I it upsets me that he's on the li- he's on the roster well you don't buy the penalty kill narrative then
1: because every time that he's asked about Levo or a player like that he just cites right away can't kill penalties can't take face-offs. it's, it's something like that always right away and yeah, I mean, he has got tonight, his little I mean, built-in excuses captain played 309 9 the penalty kill tonight so i mean that tells you what right there Long-term, you guys see him as a top-six forward. I think that's pretty unanimous.
2: Yeah. I think he's a, I think he's a third-line player, personally. Yeah. Really? I, I think he's a guaranteed third-line player. I think he, he kind of reminds me of, like, a Connor Brown of where I think his ceiling is. Maybe, like, 45, 50 points. He's not in, like, the class of, yeah. like, a knee or oh. someone like that. He's not, like, a guaranteed player. But, you know, I kind of agree with, with Craig Button where he's he is a little bit uh, inconsistent in his play. And it's it's kind of annoying to watch because he's so talented, but he still is going to be an NHL player for sure. Like that's like I don't know what like O'Sullivan is talking about where he thinks his career's on the line for a kid that just turned 20 years old. But he, he's definitely an NHL player, but he has to consistently be there with his effort defensively. And it, it, I mean, based on what I've seen the past two games, it, it looks like he's getting there.
1: Well, I think the thing that bothers a lot of people, and not to sound like Don Cherry here, is that he comes off soft sometimes. Where you see him, it's not that he's not giving effort; he's just he's just not willing to do the things that you would like to see a guy do in that kind of third or fourth line role. You know, get dirty, hit guys. Sure, he kills penalty kills, but a lot of what he does in the PK comes from his speed and his ability to close shooting gaps to basically bear down on guys when they have the puck. Like his his speed is another level, especially his closing speed. So I think that's why he gets a bad rap. Would that be fair to say?
2: Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a gifted skater. He might be, he might be the best skater of of all the Leafs Leafs prospects outside of Matthews. I mean, he, he's that good of a skater and he's that fast. I mean, as you said, uh, if you guys didn't catch the the joke that uh, Brian Boyle and Matt Martin said, they said, uh, "Finally, uh, Babs gave us a player that could keep up with us." As, a, as yeah. kind of a joke, but I mean, he he's a really talented player and especially gifted as a skater too.
3: No, yeah, he's. He's a gifted player and I guess maybe where uh you know, Craig and the other guys see the problem is maybe it's just not there all the time and effort, but no, I think he's and I agree with Jake, he's I think he can be a, a solid contributor on the third line and uh I think that's where you uh I think you just have to temper expectation. I think that's what they were trying to do and you can't get too hyped up on, you know, how he's scoring in the AHL and because, I mean, the AHL and NHL are just two totally different leagues. So we just have, they just want to keep it at bay there in that regard.
1: Okay, shifting gears a bit. Something else that was mentioned this week as well was Mike Babcock and the way he impacts potential free agents in Toronto. Oh, um, yes. It's no secret a lot of veteran players perhaps are not the biggest fan of Babcock, although that's subjective. Do you really think that that's going to be an issue in the offseason? Or do you think that players that want to come here – they're just going to come here, and the veterans that don't want to play for him because they're scared of Dot Island or how tough Babcock can be. Like, Basically, do you buy this whole Babcock deters veterans from coming to the Toronto narrative?
3: I think when, when we look at uh, that, I, I think we were, I don't know, we're referring to what Chris Chelio said earlier this week. But, uh, I mean, when you're looking at the guys they've had to convince uh, going in, you know, They've had to convince some guys to uh, waive no trade clause to come to Toronto. And we've seen other guys refuse to waive no trade clause. Valtteri Filippo being the recent one. So I think that's where the whole Robidah Island scare comes into play. But that's less Babcock and more management. Uh, when it comes to free agency, I think guys want to play for Babcock. They They see that the system, if they work hard enough and they just do what they're supposed to be doing, they will succeed. Um, I mean, you look at guys that maybe would not excel on other teams, excel with Babcock. I mean, would Hyman and Brown be as good of players if they weren't playing for the Leafs? Playing with Conor, uh, with Conor, <laughs> I was about to say Connor McDavid. I have McDavid on my mind for some reason, but uh, having Austin Matthews play with them does help. But I don't think they would be as effective if they weren't playing in the Leafs system. Uh, that could be debated, but uh, I mean, I think that helps, and I think other t- other players will see that. I think I think Chelios is just probably a little uh, salty with uh, how things were in Detroit with him and Babcock and all p- all these people giving Babcock praises. Maybe getting to his uh, it's not to his liking right now.
2: <laughs> yeah I mean the the whole thing kind of like stinks to me I mean they were t- kind of talking about it on on TSN a bunch and you know he, he just kind of sounds like bitter the whole time I mean yeah I mean it's obviously a known fact that he's a guy that you know played until he was 47 and he was benched during their cup run when they won and you know he kind of hasn't looks sounds like he hasn't really gotten over it I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really see what the problem was because they won a title, and he has a ring, so, you know, he can go cry with his ring on. But, I mean, to me, it, it kind of sounds like a little sour grapes, but I, I think there definitely is a little truth to the fact that, you know, maybe players don't exactly love playing for him. Maybe veterans, guys that, you know, don't like the fact that he's so hard on everyone and, and he's... He rarely is uh, gives credit to players like obviously we've seen that with Nylander. I mean Nylander is probably one of the top five rookies in the league, and he's hard on him like he's a bottom four player. He's like he's not good defensively. He tries to keep he tries to keep egos in check because he has a big ego, and that's the type of guy he is. And I mean I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know it clearly if if a guy doesn't want to sign here because he thinks he's going to work him too hard then i don't want him on my team anyway so i mean that's just what i think but yeah i don't i don't really buy into that whole logic that they just don't want to play for him because he's too hard on players or something like that i think it's a i think it's a whole crock uh crock of shit so i agree with that because you look at some of the guys over the years
1: veterans that have played for him eventually or tend to love him for the most part for the most part like it's no secret and babcock likes a guy he will go to war for that guy i mean look at zach hyman i know he's a young guy he's not a veteran but he's not going nowhere because babcock loves him so i think that it's kind of a bit overblown i agree with you guys that chelios just sounds very bitter like do you guys think the Robida island has impacted the way veterans view the leafs yeah it's more of like uh yeah. they're, they're scared of it now i do for sure
3: Did how th- wouldn't it it would all oh, it definitely would scare me, but at the same time there's a reason why they're scared. It's because the Leafs are basically saying you're not good enough to play on our team, just go just go and take the money that you, your contract has and just don't talk or just get away from the team. So if that scares you and as Jake and I like I like what you said there, Jake was, if that scares a player, then the Leafs don't want that player.
2: So. No, I don't want a guy that thinks he can just coast through the season. And, and I mean, also for me, I just don't think a coach has that big an impact on a free agent signing. I mean, yeah, maybe you're talking about, uh, like, on a list of things, that would probably be fifth for me. First for me is money, obviously. If the Leafs are offering you $8 million and the next team's offering 7 million, you're signing with the Leafs. I mean, that's just the way, it, it's just dollars and cents. It makes sense. Um. No pun intended. But, it makes dollars make sense, right? Exactly. And also, next you're thinking about winning. If this team is, is on the trajectory where it possibly can be in the years moving forward, you're not going to turn them down if money is somewhat the same because you, you're like, hey, I don't want this coach to grind me down. Another thing is, you know, it's a city. Would you rather play in in Arizona where you get three thousand fans and nobody talks to you, or would you rather play for a team that actually has a chance to win and people care what you're doing? I mean, it's it's a whole thing, a mentality for me, and you know, also you know, fan base, you know, quality of life, how what your role is going to be, the players you play with. I'd care more about the players I'm playing with over the coach who's coaching me, because you know, obviously, uh, that's the thing that people have been saying the whole time. You know, coaches. Coaches uh, or players last longer than coaches. You know, obviously we we wholeheartedly know that Babs is going to be here probably for seven years. But yeah, if I'm a talented winger, like a guy like a TJ Oshie, I'm way more excited at the fact that I could be playing with Austin Matthews and William Nylander as opposed to being coached by a guy that might be a little too hard on me. Uh, Yeah, uh, the whole thing, it never made sense to me. And it just, it sounded like a weak argument too. Like how many really good veteran players have the Detroit Red Wings signed? They've signed tons.
1: Well, yeah, they were a veteran team. But I think we can really sum up what Toronto is trying to do with one word, culture. They're literally just trying to build a culture and they're trying to get rid of all the pessimism that we hear certain fans bring up still today where they go, you know, take for example, the Leafs are going to blow this playoff run. That's still a narrative that's out there amongst the fan base because the culture's just been shit for years, and it's riddled in their minds that, you know, this is the way things are. And Babcock, Shanahan, Lamarillo, even this roster, for example, they're they're determined to break that and change it. So I think everything we see them doing is all going towards building a new culture in Toronto and one that's going to have long-term success. Looking at the remaining games on the schedule, obviously the playoff run is extremely tight. The Leafs are two, game, two points behind the Ottawa Senators. Um, so, home ice is not out of the question. They could finish second in the Atlantic, which is <laughs> mind-boggling. I would have never guessed this at the beginning of the season. If somebody told me this, I would have told them to kindly go fly something.
3: As I um, s- And as I said before, if they hadn't lost as many games in the shootout, this wouldn't have been a problem.
1: Oh, that's the story of the season, man, is how the Leafs could have finished higher if they didn't lose all these games.
3: They would be the top team in the
0: Atlantic.
1: 100%. Probably, probably. However, there are seven games left. We can kind of prognosticate a little bit right now. They got at Detroit, at Buffalo, Washington at home, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Columbus, all at home. Um, fair to say, guys, that 3-3-1 three, three and one gets them in the playoffs?
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think they win three games they're in. I, I, I think if they win these next two at Detroit and I believe who are they playing on Monday? Buffalo. At Buffalo. Buffalo. If Place they, they at win Starbucks. at Buffalo and at Detroit, I think they're in. Jeez. Not the three seed, but I think they're in the playoffs because you know there's just there's just such a gap between them and, and teams like Carolina who are somehow still winning and Tampa Bay. I mean, what are they? They're like four points back, I believe. So they pretty much have to win out to catch the Leafs. And yeah, I know they teams like Carolina they haven't lost in thirteen games in regulation, but I just it's just such a tall task. It would be pretty epic. Uh, uh, downfall if they didn't qualify. If they win their next two games, I think you could pretty much just slap an X over there, oh, next to them in the standings if they win the next two games.
1: Well, just to give you a breakdown, the Leafs are currently at 89 points with the six games in hand. Sorry, not seven. So
2: they said Tampa 93 the would get it.
1: I, I was just going to say that 93 would get it. So meaning if they win two, that puts them right there. If yep. Tampa wins out, that puts them at 97. Yeah, That's if they I, win out. If I Carolina wins out,
2: they're at 96. Yeah. I so basically, the Leafs just got to play 500 hockey. Yeah, I say they win two games, they're in. But yeah, obviously, you're trying to win as many games as possible. So those games against Pittsburgh and Columbus mean nothing. You're you're hopefully you're just chilling there and you can rest some players that are banged up. And you know, if worse comes to worse, you're playing for seeding against Ottawa. Who looks like they could be in some trouble if Eric Carlson's out a, a decent amount of time? Yeah, that could be something really dangerous there. I mean, they didn't say how long or how bad it is.
1: All they said was that he blocked a shot on his leg and he's out. Yeah, that 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 doesn't sound
3: good. No, it doesn't. And Tampa's last uh, remaining games: Montreal, Dallas, Boston, Leafs, Montreal, Buffalo. So that's manageable. Yeah, I for think... them. It's manageable for them, but they've had some real stinkers too. So, um, if they get Stamkos back, Kucherov—I know he missed tonight's game—but Drewen's been sick. has been playing out of his mind. So,
2: yeah, you know who's sick is Drewen. Did you see the goalie scored? Oh, Jesus Christ! He well, G- well, walked Boston through the has. whole team.
0: Oh, there right.
2: I-, I think. I think it's Toronto, Boston. I just it's going to come down to the end, but I, I just see Boston getting in. It, it, it would, if I am, if I'm Washington and I see Tampa Bay make it though, I am terrified. Right. Well, Boston's got
1: Florida at home at Chicago, Tampa, Ottawa, Washington at home to close out.
2: That game of Tampa is going to decide the playoffs for me. Okay. I was just literally just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Whoever wins that game is going to make the playoffs. Cause that's a four point swing. What's most important here? We all three agree that the Leafs are making the postseason. That's a, yeah, that's pretty much a lot. Yeah, I think they're at 90% or something absurd. Yeah, 92 point something, if you want to get like specific.
1: But, Dave, I, heard, I think I heard you say yeah in the background. you agree?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, th- this is the one time where I'll go out on the neck and say yes. I can guarantee the Leafs will make it.
1: <laughs> and okay, so you heard it here first. Tip of the Tower is telling you that the Leafs are making the postseason. And on that note, we're going to finish before we get, uh, you know, Ran over by criticism here, but I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Toronto Maple Leafs podcast brought to you by tip of the com. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at tip of the tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Cranitz. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Middleton 12. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D Morisuti. And guys, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud also at tip of the tower. Feel free to leave us a review, rate the show. We love hearing all the feedback. You can reach out to us anywhere on social media or through the feedback app there. We appreciate it. Um, Enjoy the stretch run here, guys. We'll be back next week to talk more Leafs and hopefully about food, Leafs, and class. So then, Take care.
3: Mitch Barner
0: if you don't win your first bet place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc